Welcome to episode two of the College Dropout Podcast. I have a very special guest here, Alan Avgi. How are you doing today? I'm great, boys. How are you doing? Fantastic. Amazing. Fantastic. Never better. <laughs> so Alan is a real estate investor. Most of you know him from social media already. Only 26 years old. Killer. And absolutely Killer. crushing it. Crushing life. This guy is 26 years old. He walks in here. He's got a content guy following him with a video camera. There is literally he's a content guy shooting right podcast. now. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's a young killer. And I mean that with all due respect. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How old are you guys, by the way? I'm 27. 27. Yeah. And I'm 29. Wow. Yeah, so we're a bunch of young, young, bunch of young hitters. <laughs> I know, yeah, seriously. I, it's very rare that I meet someone younger than me that's crushing it even more than me. So Dude, it's rare. <laughs> Dude, I am 27 in... Uh, I don't know, like four days. That's, that's awesome, dude. And you own how many units? Uh, like 400. And not even wearing a watch. So the watch, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, he doesn't he need to He did pull flex. up in a Raptor, though. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, he pulled up in the Raptor. Okay. Okay. I actually saw on your social media post the other day that you, I guess someone you work with lives in a penthouse, and you're like, I won't work, live in a penthouse right now. You know, is that kind of a testament to why you're successful? Are you just, uh, you're trying to live like a humble life, but then get after it at work? Yeah, I'm, I am definitely, I embody humble and hungry. You I know? love it. I, love I keep that. it humble, but I stay hungry all the time. So Let's do it. So my desires have nothing to do with fancy things and stuff like that. It's more so around building a monstrous empire and something beautiful that people can admire and be part of and, you know, lead to helping a lot. Hell yeah, I think staying disciplined like that is probably one of the hardest things in life, but it's an absolute game changer. You know what? It is challenging, but discipline <clears throat> is just part of the game, right? Oh, it's everything. As keep, like I keep kosher, keeping kosher in Suffolk County with nothing kosher around mm. uh, is what's got to be hard. Discipline. Yeah, wrestling is discipline. Building a company is discipline. So oh, so you were a wrestler? Yeah. Oh, me too. You too? Yeah, yeah. Big big wrestler. That was my biggest sport. Yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I love that sport. Did you wrestle in college too? I wrestled a little bit for a couple of weeks in college, and uh, and then I just went straight into my business. Okay, so I mean, I guess a good question right now is like, you know, college dropout podcast. So like, why did you go to college, and where did you go to college? I should say also. I went to Hofstra. Okay. I, uh, I graduated early. And in the beginning of college, I instantly realized it wasn't my cup of tea. Okay. Right? But anything I do, I strive to be the best. You know, because if I'm there, I'm going to make, a, make it known. I'm going to make sure that I do my best. And that's all I can ask for myself, right? So I go to college. I'm at Hofstra. I get into NYU. That was my dream school. Great. And uh, I couldn't afford it. So I'm, I go to a Long Island school. And I'm like, why not? I, I put my best foot forward. I'm going to be the best while I'm here. I'm going to be by the family. I'm going to start a business, and we're going to do great. A couple of my businesses actually miserably failed in college, and then I landed on real estate. But while I was there, I said, this isn't for me. I don't need to be here. I, I'm not really learning much. I'm built to be an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. And I called this guy's office. His name's Michael Schwo. He's a multi-billionaire real estate like savant. Guy's got like 15 Savant, billion like in, re real, okay. in real estate. And you just cold called him. I'm cold calling his office. I cold called them like crazy. And I get through to his secretary, who, by the way, was like one of the most beautiful women. You've seen <laughs> okay, so life. that's some incentive there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> certainly <laughs> she puts me through to him. And I'm like, look, you're like 42. I'm like 20. I'm doing my first real estate deal. I'm just getting started. I want to sit down. I want, I need to learn. I don't have a mentor. Nobody's teaching me this. Can you sit down? Mind you, the guy's doing like $150 million projects at the time. And he's like, you know what? I'll come sit down with me. 
I go sit down with him and I'm like, college is not for me. Wow. It's just not for me. I can't sit through these classes when I have this burning desire to do more. And he's like, well, let me tell you something, Alon. When you're financing deals over $20 million, one of the first things they look for is that bachelor's degree. If you don't have the bare minimum of a bachelor's degree, you're going to have a tough time financing 20, really? 50, 200, $500 million deals over time. And do you want to do $500 million deals? Shit, now you're making me think I should go back to college. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, who, so, so the banks look at that? Yeah, lenders look at that. The lender will look at that. These okay. aren't homes. Right. These yeah. are right. monster deals that they want to understand. You have the capacity. I guess unless you maybe if you have a massive portfolio already, they would probably overlook that. But if you're just starting out, I mean, they probably want to see it. A hundred percent. And <clears> I've <throat> never came across that issue yet, that obstacle. But if sitting down with him, I'm trying to learn from, like Aesop said, right, his mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And he had to go back to college when he was older, when he was financing like his hundred fifty million Interesting. Deals. Okay. Yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah. I don't know if that's part of the credit. Shit. I don't want to go back. Wow. <laughs> You're making us rethink the name of our own podcast right now. <laughs> no, you could, you could get an online degree nowadays. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's easy. But anyway, I decided, you know what? I'll finish this through because I'm already here. And I did. I graduated mm. like t one of the top of my class. And I ended up being an incredible experience. I learned how to scuba dive. What'd you study? Met my first investor, international business. Okay. So yeah, kind of fitting. International yeah. business. Yeah. That's a good one for you. I yes. was in finance and then I realized quickly that I, I have a great understanding of everything I'm learning. So I want to go into something different, macro, microeconomics, understand how the world works and, uh, and trade is done from the books, you know? Right. Absolutely. So how did you like... I was also a finance major, right? And then I started reading personal development books and books about real estate. And that was what got me into my thought process of, I don't need college, yeah. right? I could just start doing real estate. So what got you in, what made you decide to go the real estate route in your, in your experiences and call your mentor in the beginning when you're a 20 year old kid saying college is not for me? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because college isn't for everyone, right? So I just want to clarify when people ask me, should I go to college? I tell them it might not be for you, but the experience is something you'll never get back. That's true. So maybe experience it. You should experience it. I suggest you go there because it won't hurt you, especially if you don't know the direction you're going in. But meanwhile, I know guys that dropped out of school at 14 years old and are making $10 million a year. Right. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of colleges, too, it's just finding yourself and figuring things out, you know, and it's... An, Networking it's, also. It's a little bit of a priceless experience. Like, I don't regret going. I dropped out. I didn't do anything with my degree. Um, well, I don't have a degree, but the route I was headed to get my degree, um, I didn't do anything in that field. So it's just, you know, I think it was more the experience and it made me the man I am today, just going there and kind of figuring life out a little bit. Yeah. Agreed. <clears throat> yeah. What was your question again? So how'd you get into real estate specifically? Cause I was also a finance major. So what made you flip from finance to real estate? I was at the time I started a beverage startup. Okay. A drink company. Okay. At the same time as Body Armor, it was a similar business model. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I lost all my money on that business. And then I launched another company. It was called Vital Performance. I sold it to Vital Proteins. Funny story. Now I see it everywhere, Vital Performance. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. They took it to another place that I couldn't, which was awesome to each their own. Yeah. Right? It led me exactly to where I am today. And you did this at what, 19 years old? Yeah. I think I started when I was 18. That's insane. I started That's when ridiculous. I was yeah. <laughs> I, got, yeah. I got my In a real good estate way. license. Are you from a family of entrepreneurs or is it just something you had like deep inside of you that you always wanted to do it or yeah. where does that come from? I'm from an immigrant family. Okay. So naturally everyone is very entrepreneurial. Sure. And my parents right. had hustlers. a furniture store. Oh, super hustlers. My parents worked morning to night. 
Like family time almost did not exist. Yeah, family, family time is helping me move furniture at the store. Yeah, because you got to learn that somewhere. You know, that you just hit the nail it, on the head. Yeah, you got to learn yeah. that somewhere. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what family time was. <laughs> yeah, no, Come I to get the it. Store and work. Yeah, you know? I love that. So, and Asaf, our first guest, was an immigrant also. So, um, you know, that goes back to in the you know Mike and I talk about that all the time. You know, that immigrant mentality, that chip on your shoulder, that drive to stay disciplined, even when you're not feeling motivated. It's something special and I believe God-given and it's, it's, just, it's just a beautiful thing to have that. And I think being an immigrant and having maybe coming from humble beginnings will help you, you know, have that mentality. Does that make sense to you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about what you're doing today. So we, you were in college, right? Now you own a lot of real estate. So what kind of deals are you going after now? You know, how are you funding large deals today? What's your goal over the next 5, 10, 20 years? You see, I wouldn't say I have a lot of real estate because it's the mentality. Yeah, it's I all, love it. It's all perspective. Right. So, yeah, what's a lot to me, there's someone else who has a whole lot oh, more yeah. than you. Yeah, I yeah. hang out with people that are like, that make me feel like a child still, you really? know, in the business. Yeah, they make me feel like I am not even scratched the surface. So, it's not a lot of real estate in the scheme of things. It's a lot to a anybody starting out or looking for their first house, but to real successful operators, I'm still, a, I'm still in child's playland, you know? But to tack onto that, I'm financing my deals through primarily syndications now. I only okay. have so much money. Every dollar that comes in, I use for down payments, due diligence, salaries, and overhead. Right. That's how my business model has shifted. Initially, I was buying deals with my own money, hard money to handle the debt side, right. my equity, and boom, I was growing. But that's when I was a one-man shop. When I got to about like a five-man shop, I realized that I'm running out of money too fast. I can't sustain this kind of growth with this type of debt, and I need to use OPM. I need other people to get involved so I can successfully scale where I want to get to. Absolutely. Right. I think you actually just syndicated a deal with one of my boys, Matt Buckshaw. I love Matt. In Arkansas, right? Yeah, Matt yeah, hopped yeah, in yeah, Arkansas. Yeah. Matt Matt's, went to high school. Matt's one of my boys. He built some sick houses. Yeah. Shout out Matt Buckshaw. Incredible person, too. Yeah, Just good a good guy. guy. Good guy. Actually, good guy. texted me yesterday. He's like, I have more money. What's the next deal? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It means it's working out good for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. amazing. So do you need any kind of special license to, to take other people's money at that large scale to buy like a 20, 30 unit building? Is there any kind of certification things you need or you could just anybody could do it? Those are typically like equity brokers that need those licenses. I have a private placement memorandum on almost every deal now. I'm regulated by the SEC. Right. So we have attorneys that handle that entire world, and I definitely overpay in legal fees. If I ever have an issue, it probably won't be overpaying, but for now, <laughs> I feel like I'm overpaying. But no, to answer your question, you don't need any licenses to do that. You need to invest in the right paperwork in order to get there. Right. Awesome. And where, where are you like looking nowadays? Like, where are you finding properties? Is there specific markets that you're looking in? Or are you just, you know, finding the numbers and if it works, you buy it? Um, or is there specific places and specific markets? I'm buying in Long Island very actively. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I won't stop buying in Long Island and growing here because I know the market better than anyone. That's what I was just going to say. You know it best, so why not? Boots on the ground. Yeah. And yeah. then Houston, I've established a presence. Yeah. Arkansas and St. Louis. St. Louis, I've backed off of a little bit. Old buildings, deferred maintenance is high. In a, in a market where debt is low and you still have low prices, you want to be in markets like that. In a market where debt is high and there's high deferred maintenance, you want to be very cautious of going into those markets. And 
Arkansas, I'm just crushing it over there. Really? Arkansas. So I, I would never expect Arkansas, though. That's so. why I'm there. If the people yeah. are people a lot of tenants moving out there. Is it job growth? Like what's causing Arkansas to be booming right now? Minimal growth. It's just like Long Island. It's sustaining itself. There's mm. pockets of great locations, and that's where you want to be. And the tenants are fantastic. The people are great to work with. Honest demographic, and there's right. great there's great sustainability over there. They have this ecosystem. So when you're buying a deal, they're allowing you to make money. Gotcha. You know, they're not trying to squeeze you for every cent and hurt you. They're allowing you to make money. They just want to bring more money into their area. Community. Yeah, yeah. maybe have some that some of the apartments get fixed up. Do you find there's less competition in a place like Arkansas where really no New Yorker, some like, you know, like I guess cutthroat New York real estate guy would, cut, you know, is it less competitive in that market? Like it would blow your mind. Like it is, right? Less competitive? Yeah. Yeah. It would blow your mind. See, that makes sense to me because I feel like a lot of people are going to Houston, the red states, things like that, yep. looking for real estate deals. But Arkansas would never be a place you'd think to go. And I'm buying in Houston actively. Yeah. You know, I'm very, I'm very active over there. But the competition, the difference between Houston and Arkansas is a world of a difference. Mm. You know? I can see but, that. But for anybody to just go out there, it's not a hot topic state. It doesn't have a lot of noise around it, so people aren't thinking Arkansas, Arkansas. I could show you. I'll give you an example. I show people an identical deal in Arkansas or Houston, identical type of property, identical demographics, identical everything, except Arkansas is, say, 40% cheaper. And wow. are, the, are the rents similar? Like, there are they a lot lower? No, identical rents. Identical rents. And they won't go to the Arkansas deal because they're saying, what's in Arkansas? I don't wow. know. Arkansas. That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, you, th- that is absolutely insane. And I've, I've poked around in Houston. It's extremely competitive in Houston. Oh, yeah. It's extremely competitive. The Kushners are killing it down there. Yeah. Every big name you can imagine is in Houston. Yeah, I mean, it's growing like crazy, too, Houston. Yeah. Everyone's moving there. So Exactly. So you're, you're finding these deals out of state. So how do you find, like, you find a deal in Arkansas, like, how do you even go about doing that? Like, you know, even if I wanted to buy like a, like a 10 unit in Florida, like, do you build relationships with brokers there? Is it through social media? Like, how are you finding the deals? Yeah, a blend of everything. You know, just the same way I'm finding the deals in Long Island is what I'm doing over there. The only difference between my operations in Long Island and in Houston is that I have a third party management company in Arkansas or in Houston. Okay. In Long Island, it's in-house. We're vertically and horizontally integrated. Wow. So I'm Verti- doing, I'm vertically doing, integrated. That's- I'm doing a couple deals in Florida right now, and I found one of the biggest challenges, especially with stuff that needs rehab, is finding people who are reliable that you can trust and things like that. How do you overcome that when you're in a place like Arkansas, for instance? When you first started in Arkansas, I'm sure you're established now, but when you first started in Arkansas, like how did you find the right people to you know, work on, you know, renovate the units and manage the units and things like that? Well, dirty people will be in every market. Yeah, well, right? of course. So I have been, I've been screwed in Houston. I've been screwed in every market I've been to, but that's part of the business. I've been screwed in Long Island. You know, you just get rid of those people fast. You hire slow. You f- you fire fast, mm-hmm. right? So I fire those people as quickly as possible, and I loop in somebody else. And if they screw me as well, it's the same model until you get the right people, and then you stay with them and you treat them right. Makes and, sense. And they stay with you forever. So, I mean, in Arkansas, I've been very lucky. My first go on the managers has been a home run. My first go on the contractors wasn't a home run. So we switched contractors, and the, second, gro- the second go, very quickly, the second go, home run. So now I have great managers, I have great contractors, and I have a great acquisition team. I'm set. 
And it's crazy that people would even screw you because you're a guy who's going to go into these areas and buy so many properties. Like they have business forever as long as they just do the right thing. Yeah. But those are the words of a 27 year old sharp man. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I appreciate the compliment. That's not how a 42 year old, you know, drunk is thinking. (laughs) (laughs) They're just thinking like, let me get what I can out of here and I'm out anyway. Yeah. I just had that happen in Florida. I had to fire a guy and then now I have a great guy working on the house. And I told him, listen, when I, when I buy more, I'm going to use you. And, yeah. you know, he's doing the right thing so far. So hopefully he finishes that way. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, you know, a couple other things. Like, what's your biggest failure? I mean, you seem like you're crushing it. Um, yeah. I'm curious as, like, you must have seen some challenges along the way when you're buying all these properties. You have a lot of responsibility. You're, you're using literally other people's money that they worked very hard for to get. Um, you know, what challenges have you seen with, you know, all the investing and, you know, using other people's money to acquire these deals? What's my biggest failure? Great question. I'll answer this probably in a way that you don't hear often. Okay. But my biggest failure is my last failure because my last failure takes up all my peace of mind. Mm. It keeps me up at night. It stops me from doing more. So if you ask for one specific example of what my biggest failure is, I can't give you one. I can give you 100 examples of failures I've done, but I don't think about those. I think about my last failure. Absolutely. And then you learn from it and move on. That's it. Because that last failure takes away from what I need to do to keep being a better person. Yeah, your peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next failure becomes my biggest failure, right? (laughs) I like that. Because that's the one that takes up my peace of mind. Yeah. So so we were talking about balance in the last podcast. How is your balance? I know I can just tell that you're obsessed with real estate, as are we. You know, so um, how's the balance in your life? How are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Everyone asks about the business. No one asks about a lot. You know? yeah. <laughs> well said. Well said. I, I'm doing all right. You know, I just got out of a relationship. Okay. So that is uh, definitely taking up a lot of my headspace. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, but once you once you're in that once you're out of that relationship, I'm sure you're now just literally going all in, absolutely crushing it because you're just focused on you, right? Yeah. You see, I'm very lucky because I have that. Right. I have a great support system. Mm-hmm. I have a great network. I have a great business to focus on. You know, I've built a fairly recession-proof business model. You know, when people were flipping properties like crazy, I was focusing on rentals and long-term. You know, if you have a business that's built for 100 years, you don't have to worry about what happens in the next three months. Right. So my business is fairly weatherproof. Low on debt, high on rent roll, good markets, good tenants. I'm good for life. You know, I'll even take less money for better quality than than other people will take. Absolutely. So, So I have a great business model, in my opinion. But personally, I'm, uh, I'm just going through this breakup. You know, right. I'm just trying to focus again and, and just become the best person I can be. I hate when something takes my headspace that doesn't have to do with innovating, growing, or helping other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you get out of a relationship, it, it depends on who you are as a person and how you take it, right? So I'm not, a, I'm not going out and partying or going crazy. Good for you. Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, how is, uh, how is she doing? Right. You know, like, I, I hope she's not in a bad place. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that says a lot about your character. Thanks, yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah, he's got integrity. And, you know, breakups can be one of the best motivators for you to get back into the gym. You said you wrestle. So are you doing, like, jujitsu or something like that? Is that something? Is Are you wrestling? Are you just lifting? Like, what are you doing? I wish I was, but I'm not. I'm lifting every day. Okay, cool. I'm not wrestling anymore. And I am working like an animal. Yeah. The last time I got out of a breakup, I mean, I bought more real estate than ever before. 
and I invest in tons of other things as well passively. So I'm just like going hard right now, you know? Good. Yeah, so it could be the best thing that ever happened to you. You know, even when I've gone through breakups, like I'd crush it in the gym, crush it at work. Exactly. And you just see your business go from here to here, you yeah. know, immediately like that. To yeah. the moon. Yeah, but even when I was in a relationship, I was Oh, of course. Working hard, of yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah, like that's, that's a big reason I can't almost ever hold a relationship, you know, because it's... I'm all in on everything I do. It's 24 seven. Cause you're in love with your business. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm it's in, part of it. Yeah. I'm in love with growing. I'm in love with yeah. what's next. What's better. How are we going to get there? Oh, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's funny. I had this switch click in my own head personally, and I'm a broker, you know, I'm looking to be an investor, right? So it's a little different, but I was like, I kept saying I'm this luxury broker. I had done a couple million dollar listings, things like that, like 1.5. I did one for two. And this year I flipped and I just had a mindset switch. I said, what's the difference if I'm calling a $1 million and a $10 million house? It's nothing. It's just you're talking to a property owner. Yeah. So I flipped it on its head and I'm now focusing on a higher price point market, a different market. Well, it's the same market I was in, just higher price points. But just the, the way that I'm growing, it's, it's almost like I'm revitalized, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm growing. I'm trying something new and it's become so much fun again. You know, do you feel that way when you're hitting new markets, you know, taking on, I mean, like maybe like you want to do a 200 unit, things like that. Do you, do you ever feel like grow, what's growing for you next, basically? You know what? I don't feel like that anymore, man. And it, it sucks. I want to feel that again. I'm like yearning for that. Feeling. Yeah. How are you going to get that back? Yeah. So I'm yearning for that. I'm trying to figure that out right now because yeah. dude, when you grow to a certain point, it's, and if you stay humble, it's just, it's just adding. You know, it's just mm. adding another block, another block, another block. But you don't see, like, it's not like a better view. Yeah, You know, absolutely. It's, it's not a view. You're not going up an elevator or walking stairs. You're building something that isn't super visible, you know, and, and you, you maintain the same lifestyle. So it's like, why am I not excited? Why? Because it's just going, it's going to make me more money. And money's never really been a huge driver for me. In the beginning, it was because I had none. Right. And, but deep down inside, it's about innovating and creating better products and better services and, you know, building something sustainable. And maybe it's becoming like Sheldon Adelson, if you guys know Sh yeah. who that is. So he's like the biggest philanthropist. He, he recently passed away, but the biggest philanthropist. Yeah, for Israel and for causes that I also care about. Right. So maybe it's becoming like that that'll help me satisfy that place. Yeah, I mean, some of the some of the most successful, wealthy people in the world feel the same way as you. It's not about the money, and I think that's kind of what drives them to be so successful. Is that if you focus on the money, you can only go so far. But if you're focused on the bigger picture, I mean, the money will come. Yeah, I saw Kevin O'Leary on Instagram the other day getting teary and sad because he he's got, looking. Yeah, his watch and I saw that. You know. From one perspective, I'm like, I get it. You know, that's really beautiful and that's nice. And that was a dream of his. But from another perspective, I'm like, kind of shallow. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just a watch. Just a watch. It's just money. It's an, yeah. What's what's the watch got to do with you know happiness? Maybe there was a deeper meaning for him, and and I can't judge the guy. But to me, it wouldn't be a watch. You know, it wouldn't be something like that. It would be you know seeing seeing better in the yeah, world. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so it sounds to me like you're chasing a bit more fulfillment, yeah. and you want to help people, and you're look and you're admiring philanthropy because now you're making money. You're probably making a lot of money. I won't ask you how much money you're making, but you want, you're making money. So, how would you like to help people? You know, in my life, I found the most fulfillment I get is from helping others. You know, in my private life, I don't really discuss it. So, how are you? How are you looking to help people? Are you looking to coach social media for free, like possibly like a Ryan Panetta or something like that? Even though he does charge, but you know, <laughs> like um, how are you looking to help people? Um, just anywhere. You know, coaching for free 
is, uh, I, I mean, I coach for free anyway. Right, with your content? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I help You people. do, by yeah. the way. I like your content. Thanks so much. I, yeah. I invest a lot of money in my content, and I don't see those returns in anything that's, like, <laughs> linear. You know, it's not linear at all. But I, I'm having a tough time with the coaching side of things because of myself personally. I feel like I'm dealing with a lot of entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. you know, not true entrepreneurs. And a entrepreneur is somebody that just wants more information and doesn't execute. And I hate surrounding myself with people like that. So I'm having a tough time with the coaching and discussing now after years of doing this. Mm. So hundreds and hundreds of people reach out to me a month. So for, for that amount of people to reach out to me a month and not to see something moving forward, I, I'm past that, you know, one, I want to help that one person. Because you get 300 people reaching out to you, it takes up a ton of your time. Yeah, and out of those 300 people, it's probably like less than a handful of people who are actually going to execute and who Take actually action. have that hunger to, to really pull the trigger and do the things you're telling yeah. them to do. Like I always, you know, it's a corny saying, but I always say you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. And it's the absolute truest thing in the world. No matter, you know, how much you could show someone something, if they're not willing to put in the time and the work and the effort, then it's no good. It's useless. It's just words. they waste your time. Yeah, it's just words. And you're, you're, then you put it into your head like, hey, I've been doing this for years and you're these people are wasting my time. I want people that want it. Mm. You know, I want to help people that want it, yeah, that are going to get after it. Yeah. yeah. Take and action. You know, like he said, pull the trigger, actually do it. Exactly. You know, we deal with it, you know, having a real estate team and having a real estate brokerage. We deal with it. I mean, you're on the investing side of things, but it, it's, you know, people, you know, people will waste your time. You know, people yeah. don't understand the amount of blood, sweat and tears it takes to be sitting in this podcast chair right now, you know, not that we're anywhere yet. We're obviously growing, but even to get here was blood, sweat and tears. You know what I mean? For yeah. years, we weren't, we didn't just sit one day and just start doing this. And we were here, you know, this has been years in the making. I could relate that to the real estate industry as far as on the broker end of things. Like, you know, think about how many agents fail, you know, they like, they all, they want it when they get that license, but then what do they actually do with it? Are they actually on the phone for a few hours a day? Are they actually running yeah. around showing houses or are they just sitting back hoping their uncle calls and wants to right. sell his house one day, you know? So, so it just kind of relates to that. There's, you know, you have 20,000 agents and there's probably 1% of that 20,000 is actually making six figures in the business, which is crazy. And then there's a handful of people that actually do it and you respect those people and you want to be around those people, you know, but just like anything else, when you get too much of something, it becomes boring. It becomes, it becomes, you know, like you feel like you're somewhere else and it's behind you. So it's that next thing that I'm yearning for, that next innovation. We got to find it for you. Yeah, I think I'm on track now for more so innovative you know, innovative discoveries, you know, mm. products to help maybe the prop tech world, property technology, That's some, cool. something to change the game in one of the very many verticals that we have. Do you have any projects you could tell us about you're working on right now? Or are you just really in the, uh, you know, the syndication stuff right now? Well, I have a couple of projects I'm putting under contract and to most, this would be extremely exciting. I am not super excited about it, I want to do it. You know, I'm in the headspace of like, let's get this done. Yeah, let's go. You know? absolutely. Let's, let's go. go. Can I get Fire a yes, Gary? Can I get a yes, please? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm putting a $15 million deal under contract in Long Island Congratulations. right now. Thanks. Uh, that should be in contract by the end of next week. I'm putting a $2.65 million deal, $2.65 million deal under contract here in Long Island, right by you guys, right by where we are. That should be in contract by Wednesday of next week. Nice. And I just put under contract about $9 million. 
So I have a big raise ahead of me to close all these projects out, about 25 to $30 million in upcoming projects to close in the next two to three months, which is exciting. I'm on track to do about 100 million. Maybe my goal is 150 and I'd like to hit it, but 100 to $150 million in acquisitions this year. And I'm working on, a, I'm working on other projects too that, um, that I can't really talk about just yet. All right, cool. Give, I'm looking forward a, to seeing it. Give us a little sneak peek. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I won't. I won't pry. I won't no, pry. I'll, I'll gladly tell you it has some. One of them has something to do with property technology. Great. And uh, and I think it's solving a huge problem. So I'm just trying to tackle problems in the space that I'm in that I'm facing every day, and I'm surrounding myself with the right people to get there. I am very busy with my business, so I can't be way too hands on, but. Single, you know, got my own place. And you have a team. You just said it perfectly. Your team, you know. I mean, having a good team is is one of the most important things, in my opinion. Yeah, I have 25 people now, almost all on salary. And that was next on my list to ask. So this is an entrepreneurial podcast. We are interested in the business side of things, right? So how did you go from being a solopreneur to having 25 people on your team? What did that entail? What were the first hires? What was the first fire? Talk about starting, going from a solopreneur to being running a business, you know? Yeah, it's a totally different world. You know, the solopreneur, you're an investor, you're very hands-on, you're, look, you're very meticulous, you're looking at every detail, you're part of everything, you go to every project. And as I became more so, as I'm growing an enterprise, I'm growing an organization, I started getting this feedback, and everyone's always going to give you feedback, right, whether it's good or bad. And one of the bad feedback I got was, if you're not in the field, then you're not really doing it. And my job, my business went from forcing me to go from the field to the office. And I no longer became a big field guy. You know, I had to be in the office a lot more. And people became field reps for me. So that, uh, that was a big game changer. And that was some bad feedback I was getting. And I thought I was doing it all wrong, but it's not true. I was just growing at a pace that those other people aren't accustomed to. What they were doing in 20 to 30 years, I was doing in two years. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you, a good team's everything. I mean, how did you find the people that work for you that are so good that are, you know, running this this empire that you're building? I switch people like socks, so there's no secret to it. If yeah. you're if you're a stinky, bad, smelly, you know, low low sock, <laughs> you know, like gotta go. I like out. it. I like it. You know, it. I'm throwing you out. I'm not even putting you in the wash. So I uh, wow. I switch people like socks, man. If they're not good, they're out. If they're good and they're sustainable then they're with me for hopefully life and they're with me to grow. So there's one kid. I'll give you an example. Matt Sullivan. Okay. I'll name drop anybody, by the way. I have no hesitation <laughs> at all. So Matt Sullivan, he went to ConnectQuad as well. Matt knows him. Great kid. Matt Buckshaw knows him. Great kid. Young guy. Started with me with zero. Started with me when I had a couple of houses. He had zero. He was just getting into business, dis- calling distressed homeowners, trying to make a deal happen. And he didn't make any money for two years. He worked side jobs. He worked hard. And let me tell you, this kid is closing right now. Like, he's probably on track to do $25 million this year by himself. In as acquisitions? A yeah, as a broke. As a, oh, as an agent. Yeah, he's in-house with me. So really? he hand, he's one of the guys that handles all my acquisitions. Okay, so, so he's out there finding deals for you as an agent, as yeah. a realtor. And then he just makes the offers on it, whatever, and then you guys buy it. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about a guy that went from making nothing to doing like two to $20 million deals 
with four points all to himself. But that's someone who actually has it. He has that in him. He was willing to work for free and, and eat shit, you know, for essentially. Years. Yeah, that takes years. a lot, you know. Exactly. But years. now it's all paying off. And now he's going, he's going to be a big dog. I mean, it's, it's so funny because it's like a hockey stick, right? Like he started out up here getting into real estate. I'm excited. Let's go. And then there was a dip because then you realize how difficult it is. Right. And how tough this business actually is and unforgiving. And then you start going up slowly, but it's like, it's tough. You know, it's tough to break that, you know, that boundary, that whatever is there in front of you. And then you grow big time as the time goes on. Now he's going to outpace all his friends. No question. Mm. He's yeah, and so What's his name again? Matt Sullivan. Matt Sullivan? Yeah, I'll look him up. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep my eyes peeled for Matt Sullivan because sounds like he's just a success in the making right and now. And how old is he? He's 23. He's 23 years old. 20, I love 25 it. million in acquisitions. If you are 23 to 27 years old and you're not trying to hang out with Alan right now, <laughs> you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You 100%. Know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, he gave himself, man. Like, he, he came in, he's like, I'm going to make this happen, no matter what it takes. And so I'm proud of him. So heavy shout out to Matt Sullivan. Matt Sullivan. <laughs> there it is. Okay, cool. So, so I got another question. Um, you know, the real estate market obviously is crazy right now um, with interest rates and the change in the home sales and the Fed's jacking up rates. I mean, what's your, what's your predictions on where the market's headed? I mean, we are in, we're amidst where the market's heading, yeah. right? Rates are up, prices are stabilized, prices are down, there's deals popping up left and right. Is that a good thing for every investor? Not necessarily. You know, unless you have boatloads of capital awaiting being allocated, then this isn't great for you. You know, you might find one home run deal. A lot of people, I'm going to wait till the market goes down to buy the right deal. Yeah, but what if the right deal comes to you when the market's up. I mean, I bought like $30 million of home run deals when rates were at 3%. I'm locked in. You can't compete with that. Yeah, so you're not trying to time the market. You're just, if the numbers make sense, you're all in. If you're not buying, you are dying. I like I'm it. I'm always buying, no matter where the market is. I'm raising more aggressively. The goal is to grow year over year. That's it, no matter where the market's at. Yeah, am I repositioning? Am I pivoting? Of course. That's what every right. great businessman does. They pivot according to the economy. You have to. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm pivoting, and uh, and I'm growing. That's awesome. That's awesome. What do you say for the investors starting out, like guy like myself, looking at duplexes in his hometown? You know, what would you say to that? Like, you know, what what should I be looking for right now? Would you start small? Would you be like Grant Cardone, start only at a twenty unit and take OPM and do all that? What would you do if you were a broker in the Hamptons and looking to just acquire rentals, basically? I'll hit you with two different. Well, a yeah. couple answers, right? You asked me if I, if I were a broker in the Hamptons. Right. If I were a broker in the Hamptons, I'd go after the monsters. Yeah. Because if I could go back, I'd focus on going bigger. Right. You know, it's the same thing, just exactly. at a bigger scale. Yeah. yeah. So you are sharp. You look sharp. You're a well-spoken guy. You got a sick haircut. You know? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> my bar, shout out to my barber, Danny. <laughs> I think he'll actually probably watch this, yeah. People need to know that you can get them where they want to be. You could get them the numbers they want. Mm. You could do it faster. You could do it better and say even at a better rate than anybody else in your market. And you should be selling $25 million houses, yeah. right? 30, $40 million houses. That's what I would do if I were in your shoes Boom. as a broker. If I could give advice to any entrepreneur, what would I say? Or any businessman, anybody wanting to get started out? Don't be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs make excuses. Entrepreneurs are losers. He said, call a spade a spade. Yeah. Execute. 
if you want to be an entrepreneur, the difference between a entrepreneur and an entrepreneur is execution. Execute, make things happen, and you're going to go in the right direction. Even if you go down, you're still going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, and there's levels to it, you know? You got to yeah. just do it. You with just got to jump in and do it. With time, you go up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, this has been great. Now, you said, you mentioned Arkansas, right? You mentioned Houston. What other emerging markets are you looking at, or perhaps a market that someone else might not be looking at? Because everyone's looking for the duplex in Patchogue, the flip in Florida, you know what I mean? The 10 unit. Like, wh- where else are emerging markets that you like? that perhaps someone in the listening audience can start reaching out to brokers and finding deals in? There's a whole country in front of us, right? America is a big country. So, and there's deals in every single market and submarket you can ever imagine. Mm. You might find the best deal in history in Kansas City, but are you going to buy it? You know? So the yeah. question is, where are you comfortable buying? Where do you have roots? Where are you willing to build roots? Right. And you focus on that market. I don't care about anything else. If you're not going to execute, then we could talk all day long. If you're going to execute in Patchog, Long Island, because that's where you live and that's what you know and that's what you're comfortable with, then that's your market. Then just do it. Yeah, that's you, James's market. Yeah, Alan is tired of talking about it. He wants people to just start freaking it, doing it, and pulling the trigger and buying deals. Learn from Nike, man. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, that's been awesome. Do you ever, like, you know what? So I've had more than one listing with nightmare tenants. The minute we put the property on the market, now the tenants aren't paying. Now they're in court for a while, and it's mom and pops. You know, it's, it's regular mom and pop landlords. Those are the people that got crushed with that eviction moratorium. You know, it was the mom and pop landlords. It was not the Kushners. You know what I mean? So do you ever get scared of investing in New York because of that reason? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That was a great point. That's why I changed my business model. That's why I pivoted. You can't compete with Fairfield, Eagle Rock, Heatherwood the three biggest residential landlords in Long Island. Yeah. You can't compete with them. When the eviction law changed in New York State, they ramped up acquisitions. Really? Because compliance crushes the small dogs. Compliance kills mom and pop. And the big players, they allocate teams to compliance. They have compliance managers. And they wrap their, bo- they wrap their company around that compliance, eat it alive, and then <laughs> dominate the space. Right, They have way more money and a bigger bank account than anybody else. So they have the ability to become part of the compliance and then they take advantage. Just like anything, just like any sport. You know, you're a wrestler, you see an injury. You're going after the injury. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're a baseball player and you've got, you've figured out how the guy pitches. You're yeah. going after the pitch. He's got, you know? a t- he's got a hanging curveball. We're waiting on that curveball to hit it out of the park. Exactly. So that's what big dogs do. That's what big businesses do when compliance kicks in, and that's how they dominate. So Fairfield has been on a buying spree. Heatherwood, Eagle Rock, they've been buying more apartments than ever before in history because of the compliance that we have, because of the financing that they have access to, because of right. all of these different things. And I think that's what the politicians fail to realize and is a huge mistake in their campaigns and their decision-making skills. Did you as a landlord yourself have issues over the last couple of years with tenants not paying did. and getting people out? Was it, was it, was it, did it hurt your business? The amount of issues I've had would have caused probably 98% of the country to have a heart attack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You don't have 400 units without tenant issues. That's, you know, that's you, my, it's hard to have four without tenant issues. Yeah. The amount of issues I've had that if you would have told me I had these issues when I got started, I would have thought you were lying. You know, I wouldn't have imagined that 
the amount of evictions, non-paying tenants, turnovers I've had when I started, it would have bankrupted me. I wouldn't have been able to afford it back then. Today, I'm growing. Today, I'm, I'm leaning into becoming one of them because the big players always win. Big businesses always win. They're the ones that get bailed out. They're the ones that get the best financing. True. They could survive those tough times. And, yeah. you know, even if they have, you know, 30% of their tenants not paying, it's not a big deal for them. They have the money to float and they'll and get the, new tenants in there. And that's not going to happen to me because I'm building a long-term model. But, yes, like ERAP, for example. ERAP allows a tenant to stay in there for 12 months if they filed for it, even if the landlord doesn't get paid. Wow. So I have tenants that file for ERAP and stop paying right away. And that's because they know the game, right? They're yeah, professional tenants. Yeah, and they might have been great tenants when they came in, but three years down the line, things got a little tough, inflation kicked in, their credit's not as good as it was, so they're like, okay, what's, going, what's the worst that happens now? Now, if you have one tenant, that's most likely not going to happen to you. If you have 10 tenants, maybe that'll happen to you one time. If you have 1,000 tenants, Oof. you're talking about, say, you know, 3 to 5 to 10%, that could happen to you in times like this. You need to be able to weather that storm. So, yes, I am dealing with a lot of issues, but it's just part of the business. And luckily, I have the backing to cover myself and yeah. continue to grow while I'm dealing with that. Yeah, that's probably one of my biggest fears in New York because it's, you know, it's a tenant-friendly state. It's definitely not a landlord-friendly yeah. state by any means. So that's why I started buying in Florida, too, because it's, you know, you, you rent a house in Florida. It's much, much easier to get them out than it is in a place like New York. I bought an apartment complex in Houston, Texas, and we had to file 13 evictions. I got 12 people out in 12 days. Wow. And then the last person. Oh, my gosh. When was this? Weeks. Recently? Yeah. Wow. At the last 12 days? Three weeks, yeah. Yeah, that's, see, that's, that's for me why, like, I, I just, it scares me to just really dive in in New York. Cause that you know, is crazy. Seeing what, seeing what I've seen the past couple of years, three weeks being the longest one, people would kill to have a three-week tenant get out in, yeah. it, around here. Here? Yeah. Oh, I have tenants sitting for... Almost three years. I, I was just going to exactly. say, I have a couple of clients who are investors who I've found houses for, you know, in the last few years, and they've had tenants living there for two, two plus years without paying. I just backed out of a deal because squatters broke in. The pl- we went there on our final walkthrough. No. The day before. The Where close. was this? Around here? In Long Island. Where? Yeah. Which town? Medford. Medford. Okay. I was buying a multifamily complex in Medford. It was a good basis, but needed a lot of construction. No big deal bread and butter type of stuff, right? Pretty small deal, so I wasn't too gung-ho about it because it would take up a lot of my team's time. So I wasn't excited already, but I wanted to add it to the portfolio. So the day before closing, we do our walkthrough, right? As we're walking through, we were there two weeks ago with the architect. Everything was vacant, everything was fine. Three tenants, three units were broken into. That's insane. Right, three units are broken into, the woman start, has to restart an eviction process because these are three new people and she canceled the former eviction. So even though they were only there for two weeks now, you're going to have to evict those people? Well, we called the police while my staff was there. They called the police. The police came there and they're like, these are tenants from two years ago. They used to occupy this space. I can't kick them out. And was there furniture in there and stuff? Or were they like living in sleeping bags and like doing drugs? Sleeping bags and drugs. Yeah. As bad as you can imagine. Mm. And they're like, listen. Terrible. You guys aren't getting us out. We know the laws. And... The laws actually were in our favor. The police should have gotten them out. But now go fight with the police. Go fight with the tenants. Go get physical. I'm way past that. You just said, I'm out. I just said, I'm out. Yeah, I just, good, good I, for you. Yeah, I went back to the landlord. I said, look, it's a retrade at this point. You have to give me a huge discount. Yeah, if retrade. That's a big term. Yeah, if you do it for this price, space. I'll do it. You know, and she was like, no, I want 50000 more. And I'm like, you know what? I think this was probably a message. Like, I'd rather back out 
not deal with like a million dollar deal and I can focus on the 20 million I'm putting under right now. Absolutely. That's do you ever do like cash for keys type of stuff? Like, you know, like you get squatters out, you're like, hey, I'll give you 10 grand, get the hell out type of thing. Yeah. And the tenants there, the squatters there were like, we'll take the cash, but we're not promising we're not coming back. Wow. And there's nothing enforceable about cash for keys. That's so in New crazy. York. Yeah. It's got to be so a handshake crazy. deal. So it's risky. Yeah. You yeah. could have it on paper. You could have it in writing. But if the sheriffs don't have something on the door with a file number and an eviction, done, done, soup to nuts, done, it's not legally. You didn't get me any more excited about investing in New York, I gotta <laughs> say. You didn't make but, me any more excited about it. But now let me, let me change course on that, right? Now commercial in New York isn't like that. Commercial only requires a 30-day notice, not a 90-day notice. So you save yourself two months on the eviction off the rip. Commercial is much more friendly to the landlords than residential because it's not where the people are living. It's where the people are doing business. If they're not paying you for the business they're doing, then the judges are much more swift, much quicker to make decisions. Because they're not throwing someone out on the street, you know. Interesting. So you're not different. talking about like a, like a five-plus unit. You're talking about retail, office space, things like that. Yeah, I'm not big in office. I am right. get, I'm yeah. doing a medical office deal right now. Medical office is great, but yeah, yeah. That's exciting. But, for example, I bought a shopping center, and one of the tenants wasn't paying. Filed an eviction, quickest court date I've gotten in two years. Wow. So I can see the difference, you know, I'm buying an industrial complex. I just closed on it, actually. Oh, congratulations. Nice. Thanks. Yeah, that yeah. was 20. Amazon warehouse type thing? No, actually. Mom and pop, small place, 25,000 cool. square feet, uh, a couple 6,000 square foot units. They're small businesses, but one of those businesses doesn't want to pay the new rent. He doesn't want to pay the rent in general. Mm. So I, I talked to my landlord attorney and he's like my my lnt attorney and he's like look i could get this person out probably in six months if this were residential you're probably looking at 14 months it's wow. so crazy even six months is just insane it's yeah, still but insane but it's just part of the game exactly it's just part of the game before 2019 i was evicting people in about three months yeah, you didn't crazy. need a lawyer, so your costs were way lower. Yeah, you could go there yourself and do it. And that's what I used to. So do. that all changed just because of COVID. No. Oh, uh, before COVID. Right before COVID, there were laws that were enacted in New York State from politicians that know nothing about business, mm. and it basically destroyed the rental market in New York. Yeah. Maybe crazy. you should get into politics. You've referenced it a, a couple times. I won't. Um, I won't ask you any questions to, to push you either way, or you know. But um, maybe that could be your new endeavor. That's exciting for you. You could be like the young, the youngest mayor of a city around here. You know, something like that. I could see you doing that. Yeah. I could see that happening. Although that would be super cool. I just don't see that in my in my cards. Yeah. My Not right now. You never know. You know. Now I've, I I want to get back to the real estate itself, and you we could go quick on this. So obviously you bought a lot of doors and uh you know and you said in the beginning that location was um was a big factor for you right so would you buy something with like a lower cap rate in a nicer area or would you are you looking for the big numbers like the big returns like what are you look would you uh what would you look for what a great question thank you I, I like that question too yeah, that was yeah. a good question that was a great question and thank i'll you. tell you why because that has changed over the course of my career my very short career of five and a half years so far in this business, that has changed from the day I started till now. When I started, the answer to that question was, I want high returns because I don't have money. Right. So every cent I can make is very important to me. And I need it so I could survive and carry my life and pay for my car bill and <laughs> yeah. pay for college. Mm -hmm. So I need it. But now I'm doing the opposite. Now I'm buying a seven cap where debt is 6.75%. 
you know, I'm buying a seven cap in the best areas possible. There you go. And a seven cap is still good to many people. 7% returns. Yeah, yeah it's slimmer, yeah. but it's still good. Yeah, and it's a value add seven cap. Okay, you that's know, great. It's not even like a value add 10 cap, which I'm still buying. I still have the value add nines, the tens, the 11s. I'm landing on deals where I'm making 14%. You know, so those are, those are home runs, not cash on cash. Sometimes I'm getting substantially higher cash on cash. I'm still looking for those hitters. You right. Know? But will I sacrifice a much lower return for a prime location and something that will sustain for 100 years? Yes. And That's great. Says, and is that because of the quality of tenant or just the location itself or just it's just uh, like that's where you want to have it? Like what, what is the reason for that? I don't necessarily care about the tenant in the short term. I care about the location and the type of product I'm buying more than anything. Right. The tenant can always be switched. Right. Right. The location can't. Mm. Gotcha. So we're talking like school districts, things like that. Because I noticed you, you had uh, mentioned something about that Arkansas deal that you bought. It was in like the best school district. So is that something that you look for? Correct. On that deal, yeah, because that was a multifamily deal. Yeah. yeah. Bigger units. How many units was that deal, by the way? 67. Okay. It's pretty so big that was deal. a 67 unit apartment complex. And what did, that, what did that sell for at 67 units? I think I'm all into that deal for like 5.3 million. For 67 units. It was a great deal. That's not wow. bad at all. Great deal. Wow. And what was the return on that deal? Oh, man. That was like north of 25%. Wow. A year, annualized. Wow. Yeah, way, way more, actually. Like, we That's haven't sold, so we haven't realized. You should yeah, stop, yeah, you should stop talking about Arkansas, because then everyone's going to start going <laughs> over there. <laughs> oh, they you could know. go there. It's just, is that where you want to grow, right? Yeah, is that where sure. you want to put your roots? I didn't think I'd go to Arkansas. I had a friend in Arkansas doing good business. He told me I should go with him. I said, you know what? I got some free time. Let me take a look. I saw a deal. He had my back on it. I'm like, all right, I'll hop in. Little did I know it would become one of my best markets. Mm. Interesting. You know, but Long Island is my roots, right? Like I'm planning on. Of course, you know it better growing. than anything, of course. I, I want to buy in Long Island, you know, it's just like I said, I'm, I'm looking for rental properties. And as a, a small fish in a big pond, you know, it's harder to, you know, stomach the fact that someone could live in my apartment for 14 months, 24 months without paying, you know, because that would hurt someone like me. Whereas you, it's not going to hurt as bad. Well, that's where you're making the mistake because you're not being creative. You're thinking about a single family, a two family, a three family rental property. But what about commercial? Sure. What about a storefront, right? I'm finding small storefront deals that are hitters. I mean, huge, huge returns that you're not going to find in residential necessarily. Interesting. Just a mindset shift. I like that. Now, I want to ask you about creative financing. So when you were first getting started, what kind of ways were you pulling together money to buy these deals? You know, in the beginning, because you were, I mean, you were young, yeah. you know, so you had people trusting you with money from a young age, you know, so how, yeah. what was the way you were pulling together these, because creative financing is a big clickbait kind of term now. So how were you executing that? It is. Keep in mind, I always put up my money first. This is a model I've lived by till now. Yeah, you Even, need to have some skin in the game. Yeah, always, always. Even now, I have investors that will put behind me $2 million on any idea I want to do. Because they know Alon puts his money where his mouth is. Right. So I have a concept right now. This kid approached me. It's all about value, right? Like we're sitting here. What can you offer me? What can I offer you? Sure. If you didn't have a podcast, I wouldn't be sitting with you right now. Right. Right. And we wouldn't be together and we wouldn't talk about this and we might not have a future together. Who knows what the future holds for us? But you guys are providing value. So this kid approached me. He goes, hey, I'm closing down my retail car dealership. And I'm going to be wholesaling because the returns are much greater. These are how, this is how it looks. This is what I plan on doing. This is my business model. How much money are you going to put in? I'm like, well, how much do you need? 
and I trust him. I know him. He's had my back for a couple of years. He's been there when I needed him mm-hmm. on, on business things, on car issues I've had. So he put his right foot forward from the get-go, and then he got a check from me. You know, so I'm investing in that business. I told a couple of my investors on the fly, you know, oh, I'm investing in this, I'm investing in this. One of them goes, Alon, I've got something for you. I'm like, all right, what is it? And I'm doing, I think I'm doing like 26, I think this last batch, I got 26% returns in the last like six weeks from this business. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, an, I'm a passive investor. I'm not involved at all, almost. He sends me updates 24-7 because he's very communicative, but, uh, but I'm, I'm purely passive. So they're like, I got something for you. I, I swing by, we're hanging out, and I get a check for $750,000. Like, well, what am I going to do with this? Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> I'm like, this is Maybe buy me. that apartment that's a down payment for your penthouse. Yeah, yeah but it's not for real estate. <laughs> yeah. It's not for real estate. It's for... Yeah, it's something different. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I don't want this because I haven't fully tested out the model yet. You know, when I go through a cycle, say, you know, like six months of doing this and I'm comfortable enough to come to you, then I'm going to get that check from you. But I'm not there yet. And that's why people trust me with money. Because I put my money up first. Interesting. And I, I'll guarantee on some things that nobody will lose. So when I started in real estate, I was borrowing money at 14%. Today, people are like, what are you, nuts? Yeah. You know, over leveraged yourself. You're a kid. Your credit's on the line. And you didn't have experience, 14%. I said, well, now everyone wants to give me money. And you probably still have some of those properties today. I have all of them. That's amazing. And, you know, Asaf German said something kind of similar to that, that his first deal he made no money on, but that turned into a thousand deals. Yeah. And you took high interest rate loans to get your first apartments and now you still own them and people give you money to this day. Yeah. I tell people now, like I have a, a great deal, right? I put it in front of them and I'm like, Hey, I need to raise for this. Why? Because I'm doing 20 million in deals and I don't have enough money to keep up. That's why I'm raising for this. If that's not good enough of a reason for you, then I don't even want to sit here because then you might not trust me and I don't want to work with people that don't trust me. Right. Right. Because I'm as straight as it gets when it comes to business. So I need this. I need to raise for this deal. Are you in or are you out? And they're like, well, if I don't invest in it, then who is? I'm like, well, I am. If you don't do it, I'm going to have to figure out how to do it. So people have passed on deals before that I've given them. I've refinanced some properties and I bought those deals, right? But with my own cash. Then they regret it and they're like, I'll get in on the next one. Yeah. And my answer is don't be a entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big thing. Now, let me ask you a question about investing. That's actually going to be probably the name don't of be this a podcast. I basically named these podcasts based on a, a catchphrase from the podcast. Like crushing, crushing Life became ASAP's podcast because he said it about seven times during the podcast. <laughs> don't be a entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is going to be the title of this podcast. I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> and we're talking a little uh, like work-life balance and things like that. And this wouldn't necessarily be like life, but you know, you have to set boundaries as a business owner, right? Have you ever had somebody who's like, "Hey, Alan, I'll give you that whatever you need. It could be five million." Have you ever had to fire an investor? Pretty much give someone their money back because there was like they were up your ass about like hey where's my returns what's going on with this deal things like that have you ever like not taken somebody's money oh yeah yeah i bet right oh yeah people people in the beginning won't understand this when you're starting out and you need that money you'll do anything it takes to get it and that's where i was in the beginning you know so i don't care what anyone says i put everything into the beginning you know, when I started, I put everything on the line. I sacrificed my whole life to get it. I sacrificed my childhood. I sacrificed my college, you know, experiences. I sacrificed everything to get to where I am right now. And I can gladly say that I'm turning 27 next week and I could do whatever I want. 
now, you know, humbly speaking about this. I could do anything I want. I could retire tomorrow because I built a long-term business model and didn't go after quick cash, which has given me the ability now to deny people's money. Mm. So investors that challenge my, you know, my business model after they invest, I'd rather give them back the money than fight with them because I'm doing what's best for the deal, not what's best for a single person. You know, if the deal is successful, we're all successful. This isn't about me. This isn't about you. This is about how successful the project is, you know? No, that's great. So, that's great. Yeah, that's, and that's the end of it. You know, I, if, if it makes more sense to cut back costs on renovating and increase rents, I don't care about your emotions. I have to do that. If it, keeps, if it makes sense to keep people that are great, great tenants and not raise rents, then that's what we're doing going into market volatility. I'm not asking, you know? I'm telling there was an example once. I love it. Yeah. There was Confident. An, yeah. There was some time, there was one time where this guy was extremely rude and he, he wanted to give me $3 million, but he was mean and he was rude. And I'm like, man, I'm nice to everyone. You know, I kill it with kindness. That'll suck the life out of you though. It'll yeah. literally suck the life out of you as you do that deal. You know, and I've, I've had that in my business too, where like sometimes you just got to walk away. It ain't, it ain't worth the stress because it's just going to suck the life out of you. Money's not always worth it. Who wants to be around mean people? No, Nobody. Sorry. Nobody. Literally nobody. Right? This is such a mean world we live in that if you can't be kind, then you can't be in my circle. Right. You know, so I kill it with Amen. kindness. And when this person was mean and rude and down talking other people and stuff, I'm like, I don't want your money, man. Forget it. Yeah. And, and it was a big investment. Three million dollars is a big check to get from one person. Oh, absolutely. So denying that was definitely a character move. Good, but you're yeah. in the position now where you can do things like that. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure Good if you were. You. I'm you're sure probably. if you were a brand new investor and someone offered you three million, you'd be like, I don't care. You could curse. Yeah. You could curse me out all day long. <laughs> yeah, right. Give you, me the money. <laughs> you, you, yeah, I would have taken it. Yeah, I yeah. bet. I you bet. Know, in the beginning, but now you're in the position and you know your game now. So you say, like you said, I'm, if I need to move things around, I will because I know this. And if you don't trust me, when my own skin is in the game and I have money in this deal, we probably shouldn't work together at all. Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah. now the people that invested with me in the beginning, they're basically grandfathered into old terms to things that I'm doing on the side that make great returns because I love this stuff. Right. You know, I live, eat, breathe this. So yeah. if I have something going on making 26% in six weeks, whatever amount annualized, it's, uh, I, I, they're allowed in, you know, but I can't let other people in until they prove to me as well. Like I prove to them that they're going to hit home runs with me until they prove to me that it's going to be a great relationship. It's pretty amazing that you're actually saying that the investor who's giving you millions of dollars has to prove something to you. That's, wow. that's pretty, it's pretty incredible position you're in at this that's point. That's great psychology life. right there. It's like a, <laughs> and it's a hard truth. So Matt Buckshaw, let's yeah. use him for an example, right? He's our age, great friend of mine. Probably one of the only friends I have from high school. I, I came out of high school with, I think, I think maybe one or two friends. After getting to know you, I'm not surprised, though, because he's on the same wavelength. Like, I know how Matt operates. Yeah. Like, I'll run business ideas off Matt. And I, don't, I just know Matt from the business, really. But, like, he's just such a good guy. I feel comfortable enough where I could call him right now about a real estate deal or something. And he would talk to me about it, you know? He's yeah. good like that. And it's very hard to meet good people that, for a long term, right? Because trust is a big, is a big, big piece of that. It's yeah. not just connecting. It's about trusting. Mm. You know, I had a best friend. He screwed me over. He was my best friend since 11 years old. I couldn't believe it. I'm in my 20s. Terrible. Yeah, he screwed me over. Like, it destroyed what I thought was my best lifelong friend. But Matt Buckshaw, we're kids, man. We're kids. I'm like 17 years old. I'm like, Matt, I just lost all my money on this deal, this business, right? It wasn't a real estate deal. It was whatever business I was doing at the time. 
And I'm like, I need 10 grand to buy this product. Do you have 10 grand? And he's like, I do. I was like, we'll go 50-50. He just sent me 10 grand. And I, that was probably wow. a lot of money for him at the time sure. as well. Because we were how kids. How old, 17 years old? Yeah, we were kids. But he was saving and I was investing every day. Right. Right. This has been like the trajectory of my life and everybody and almost everybody else I've, I've, I meet. I've been investing since I was a kid, understanding that investing is the best career path in the world. Right. The best business, the best job you could ever have is being an investor. Make the money work for you. And a good one. Exactly. Getting rid of active, becoming passive. So I'm out of money now. You know, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm very good at making fast money. At the time I was, I don't know about anymore, but <laughs> I, I, uh, I lose all my money. I'm like, Matt, I need 10 grand to do this business deal. And uh, it was an import deal and flipping it to retailers quick. And he's like, all right, how much will we make? I'm like, I don't know, maybe like 2000 each in like three weeks or something like that. And he's like, here's 10,000 bucks. And we're kids and I trusted him. Yeah. And I did it, right? I did it. He got back his money. He was stoked. I was stoked. And awesome. he's like, let me know when that happens again. I'm like, well, I think this two grand will hold me over for like the next six months because I don't, I don't spend my money on anything. So I was like, I, I'll let you know if I ever need anything again. And then the next investment became real estate. And he's been cutting checks to, into multiple of my deals. And he's just going to grow with me. Oh, absolutely. That's amazing. Now, where does this come from? When I was 17 years old, I had a... All I thought about was women in sports, I think, and, that was, <laughs> and, and where I was getting my next beer, really, was all I thought about. So where does this come from, like this just import-export at 17 years old? Like, I would never even think to do something like that. Like, where did you get these ideas? Women in sports, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I still think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, he does, too. He's like, <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> women sports. Real estate in the Hamptons. That's yes. It. Amen. That's Amen. It. You know, uh, I don't know. It was, just, it was just me, man. When I was five yeah. years old, I wrote a business plan to acquire banks and rename them and rebrand them. Like, it was just... That's insane. I've had this desire to be, you know, an incredible uh, entrepreneur. I think it's probably a little bit your upbringing. And then the other half is, I think you just some people are just born with it. Right. You yeah. know, they're just, they're just born with something inside them, that hunger. It's like, you yeah. know, it's a gift in a way as well. Yeah. I grew up very poor. But I know people that didn't grow up poor at all that also have that burning desire. So it's definitely a bloodline. Absolutely. You know? It's definitely something inside of you, but a little bit. I mean, it's learned. You know, you, you've worked for everything you, you had in your life. So Yeah. You need to love to learn. You know, at the end of the day, if you don't love to learn new things. Oh, I've been just sitting here like a sponge just absorbing me all too. of this. It's been great. Me too. Oh, I love to hear that. See, that makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. Really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. 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 We were talking awesome. about it. Because awesome. you're doing it. Because as, as real estate brokers, we don't have a retirement plan. You know, we pay for our own health insurance. So, well, you're a policeman, so you get Yeah, I'm that. also a detective. You're a cop? I'm a detective yeah. in Nassau County, actually. Holy shit. Robbie, put the stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, get the car out of here fast. Yep. Yep. Broker <laughs> by day, uh, detective by night. You got to lead with that. I'm a, I'm a cop. <laughs> no, I'm playing. <laughs> oh, no, man. but that's so funny. But, you know, a lot of most real estate agents and brokers, I'd say goal is to have rentals because that's your retirement. You know, that's your bread and butter when you're not on the hamster, you, you know, that gets you off of the hamster wheel of just doing deals. Where's my next deal? Where can I fish it out from? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's nice you doing it at such a young age and so successfully, I mean, and having so many is like, you know, it's like everyone is, everyone talks the big game, but you're doing it, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. But there was a sacrifice. You know what I mean, guys? It's like, yeah. I sacrifice money now for money in 10 years from now. 
You don't see money. And in 10 years, it'll be a whole lot of money. Oof. Yeah. Well, look, the way I looked at deals in the beginning were I'm not seeing anything for three years. Get it out of your head. It's, you're not going to see it for three years. I'm not selling it. So that is out of the picture. You know, and now I know every time I okay. do a deal, I'm not seeing money from that deal for three to five years from now. So I'm putting that effort up front and it, I'm going to reap the fruits of my labor later. So, dude, I have deals right now that I could sell and make three million cash right now. I could buy whatever cars I want. Right. I could get a new house. I could do anything I want with three million cash. I mean, that's m way more than I could even think about spending. All I think about when I see money is how I'm going to buy more rentals. You I know? love it. I love it. So disciplined. Ugh, like, I, I don't buy clothes, guys. I, yeah. Just to be very clear, this shirt is from Renoir. I got this maybe eight years ago in Israel, this shirt. Really? Yeah, I, I don't buy things. It's very rare that I go out and spend if it doesn't have to do with something in the future. And if I go to restaurants, I'm always paying. What's like the future plan? Do you ever feel like one day you're going to want to spend some money and enjoy the fruits of your labor, or are you just going to be addicted to this? Well, I am enjoying it. No, I know. <laughs> you know. Amen. Amen, man. Amen. I'm so man. happy. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You know? Do you ever see the future, though, where you're buying like fancy shit or just never? Personally, no. Okay. But every big dog I know, every big they businessman, they're like, Alon, you're going to change your opinion. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure maybe when you're 50 years old, you may want to buy the fancy sports car or something. But for now, you're just yeah. keep on grinding. I mean, I have, I have a buddy. After this, I'm going to his house. He's a huge landlord. Very big landlord, very cool guy. He's like 42 years old. He's got the sickest Ferrari ever. It cost him like $800,000. And he's like, yo, come over, take the Ferrari, take it for as long as you want. He knows wow. I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm an addictive How do you guy. not want it? Oh, because the minute you get in it, you're going to need one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, in a, I'm a very addicted person. I don't person. even want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he'll take me for a spin or whatever. Like actually, about that building, <laughs> let's flip that. You call your broker. <laughs> yeah, you see, I'm, yeah. I, I have a problem. I'm very addicted to things. That's why I don't drink. I don't smoke. I Good don't do you. anything. Yeah. Because I know the moment I touch it, it's game over. Yeah. You know, so I, I'd like to focus my energy on being addicted. Well, to you're addicted to the right thing. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good Just like Grant have. Cardone. Grant Cardone, he's a big proponent of that. And that's a big reason why I connected with him when I was reading his books. But like when I was first getting started in real estate, he took all that, you know, that drive and that addictive personality and just put it towards real estate and, and positive things. And look at him now. You yeah, know, exactly. do you like Grant Cardone? Are you a fan of him? Or do you think. What's your opinion on Grant Cardone? Look, I, I admire the guy for what he's built, and I respect him, no question. Guy is self-made right. as it gets. He did a great job. Do I think ethically everything he does is right? Absolutely not. You know, I don't agree with a lot of his business practices or how he's convincing on things that I disagree with, but that has nothing to do with, you know, appreciating somebody's success. Right, you respect, like, yeah, you, you wouldn't, you don't necessarily morally agree with everything he does, but as far as like the, the thing he's built, you can kind of tip your cap and say, obviously he's, you know, he did a good job with that. No question to yeah. syndicate from that many people, that much money in such a short time frame. Crowdsource literally unbelievable. Yeah. Well done. I tip my cap. I give him a ton of respect for the assets. He's also bought. He's bought great properties. Yeah. Do I think it was the best business decision for those investors? Absolutely not. They would have made way more money with me. Right. You know? <laughs> I love that. I love it's hard, that. hard truth. Yeah. You know, hard truth. Yeah. But he so got funny. to them first. He did. He's got direct. the platform for it. Exactly. He's Do you only take on, like, is there a minimum amount of money when you're raising to, that you'll take on? One of my goals has been bringing down my minimum. So people tell me the opposite. They're like, go higher. You know, you want 250000 minimum. But that's the opposite of what I'm trying to accomplish. I want everyday people 
to have access to institutional style properties, to right. off-market deals that are be hitters. You know, so I want everyone to be able. And that to almost goes back to where you want to help people because you you are you go. the guy You're who doesn't people. have two hundred grand laying around. You may be willing to take less to help them, and who knows, one day you might trust him so much, and he builds up his capital, and he's someone who does a lot of big deals with you. Exactly, and not only that, this is like bootstrapping a prop tech startup for me, right? It's like letting me use my own funds without going out and raising money for the business itself to allow people to access something they never otherwise could have. You know. For the listening audience and for myself, if we're speaking honestly, what is PropTech? Like, what are, what are you talking about with that? Property technology is like startups, right? Startup, so startups okay. in the real estate space. There's been some revolutionary ones in real estate. And I'll give you some examples. Like, let's say Ring, right? Ring, Ring. doorbells. Everyone knows about Ring. That's right. PropTech. Okay. Yeah. You know? oh, got it. Okay. Right? That they raised sense. money. They sold out to Amazon. Huge home run. Game changer for the world. Mm. Right. Ring is one example. There's other ones like Divi Homes. Have you guys ever heard of Divi Homes? I haven't. Divi Homes, it doesn't have a presence in Long Island. So most people here don't know about it. But what it does is it gives everyday people the ability to rent a home and then convert that rent into ownership, into a down payment. Brilliant startup. Wish I thought of it. Yeah, you know, this that's woman, very smart. Yeah, this woman, Adena Hefetz, I believe was her name. She raised a couple billion dollars. She's one of the biggest home buyers in America right now for people that just want to buy their own home but don't have the down payment up front. Brilliant. That's a prop tech example. Another prop tech example, Appfolio, my property management software. You need 50 units to get on it minimum. So small players can't get on it, right? But bigger players can. And what it does is it streamlines my my property management system, you know, so that is, and you use that for your properties now. Yeah. And that'll basically tell you like what, like your tenant, like this, this one's vacant. This one needs a rehab, things like that. Yeah. This is how long it takes you to rehab. This is how your collections look. This is your average daily occupancy, all that stuff. Very cool. This is fucking cool. I could talk about this with you honestly until tomorrow. You awesome. know, this just great, just man. picking your brain about this stuff because I've been obsessed. And so is Mike. Mike's really doing it. Like, you know, we've been actively in the field just watching YouTube videos about. I how just to do bought this. my first units this this last year. So oh, awesome! I I had my own home that I live in for almost three years now, but I just bought um, three houses this past year. Where all single families, two in Florida, one actually upstate New York that's being rehabbed right now. Very nice. You see, you're not a entrepreneur. Yeah, no, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I started small, but you know, the plan is to amp it up soon. That's all right. Everything's a stepping stone. Yeah. You know, I've, I'm now, I've learned so much, no matter how much people have told me, how many videos I've watched this, that, and the other thing. Once you do it, oh my God, the education you get is absolutely unreal. Like I got red tagged on my house in Florida. Um, I had contracts. What is a red tag? Um, stop work order. Okay. So you red tag my house. Like, oh yeah. Stop work order. Um, I've gotten more of those than you could even. I bet. I bet. But <laughs> your know, first house, you're like, oh God, this is not as easy as I thought it would be. That's a challenge. Yeah. And I was, my first deal was out of state besides yeah, the house right? I live in. Cause you can't just drive there. It's like, oh God. And, yeah. You know. And I'm trusting contractors. I'm talking over, I'm interviewing them over the phone and just. Yep. Craziness. Guys, it's, it's like you're in the stepping stone stage right now. Yeah. Right. Then you're going to go over to stepping blocks. I feel like I'm in the stepping block stage of my life right now. Then it becomes an escalator and then it becomes an elevator. Mm, so there's like, like four that. phases. You know, those big players, they're on the elevator. It, money, create, m- money allows you to really exercise your knowledge much more than anything else. So you're learning right now, right? But if you had access to $10 million, knowing what you know, you could 100-fold what you've learned. Oh, absolutely. You know, now access to $100 million, you know, whatever. It, it's, it's a multiple, right? So 
It's a stepping block, stepping stone, escalator, elevator. Boom. Gary, clip that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the truth. And you're going to be there soon, too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, in my, it's, I'm entering my fifth year in real estate right now. And I wasn't really qualifying. You know, in the, I didn't make any money my first two years. And I made money. I made, you know, multiple six figures my last two. Nice. And that, now it's time to start buying. You know, time to start acquiring the rentals and things like that. So having you on is like a dream because you're actually doing it. And uh, I think the biggest thing that I learned today, obviously, like, you know, the good locations and things like that, but also just fucking do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just do it. Take, and don't be a entrepreneur. Don't be a entrepreneur. Exactly. I hate that I'm cursing so much, but sometimes you got to be authentic with it. You know, yeah. I'm tired of these corny ass real estate podcasts. <laughs> Let's keep it real. Right. Yeah. College you know? dropout podcast. <laughs> here. Let's do it. That's it. But uh, this has been great, man. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And uh, you gave us a lot of knowledge today. Likewise, yeah. boys. Yeah, tell me. Thank you so much for coming on. So tell them, where do they find you? Instagram, social media, where do they want, you know, they want to invest. Where do they find you? Avgi.com to invest. A-V-G-I.com. My Instagram's Avgi. LinkedIn, all those places. I'm very active on Instagram, so I'll respond to almost anyone. His Instagram is great. I will say. I'll follow it, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, the College Dropout Podcast, Alan Avgi, out.